the blast from our past network. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. This is the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me this week is my assassin friend, Dean. Hey, Tim. And, hey, Dean. How, how are you? Great. I'm, I'm very excited that class is going to be in session for the final no, time. No, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say something oh. different because you've said that every time so far. And I challenged That's you what I was bringing last it back. episode. No, listen. Listen, Tim. That's why I brought it back. I went back and I listened to the very first time we ever covered this. Uh, episode 35, Tim. Oh, thank you. I was going to bring that up. But you already I did said, that for me. Great. I said, I am going to bring it back to the roots. And that was classes oh. in session. I've brought up that I'm tardy, that I'm late, that I need a hall pass. I was going to bring back up classes in session. Mm. That's too bad. We needed some... Sorry to disappoint, but I'm tugging at the heartstrings just like this comic tried to do or succeeded at. We needed some uh, schools out for summer from you, Dean. Uh-huh. That would have been way better. Well, I know, but... <laughs> but that's why, Tim, that's why you're the talent. <sighs> and I'm just here for the... I'm just the punching bag. That's not true, Dean. I'm just here so that the listeners have someone to not like. Oh, I don't... I think the listeners like you more than they like me, Dean. I think I'm the punching bag. Oh, that... Because I'm that always, can't be. I'm always getting be. on. Just, I'm always getting on your back for stuff that you do. You just came out with schools out for the summer. That's great. That's great stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's it just it's pretty obvious. I thought it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, I I wanted to go back to the first the first time we ever did. But it. But here's the thing: is that would be cool. I was feeling sentimental. That would be cool. But it was every time you did it. Every time, <laughs> if you'd only... it wasn't every time. Did you go back and listen to all the episodes? No, okay. but I listened to a handful of them, okay. and I didn't do it every time. Okay, there, there's a there's a wrap up item. How many times did I say classes in session? <laughs> oh goodness, that <laughs> there twelve volumes, that's, probably ten that times. Sounds like a lot of effort, but I'll do it. I'll do the. We'll work. do it. One of us will do it for sure. Okay. Well, uh, for all you people on your lawnmowers, we are covering Deadly Class Volume Twelve. Titled A Fond Farewell, Part 2, this collects issues 53 to 56 of Deadly Class. And this is the motherfucking end, my friends. This is the end. Goodbye. Uh, You could say that uh, school's out for the summer. Hey! Boom! Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Yeah, so we started Deadly Class close to four years ago. You're crazy. What? So, Four years? Yay, us. We're yeah. so good at getting things done. Yeah, totally. If there was an efficiency meter right now, I would love to see what it's peaking at. Yeah. But, Tim, we finished it. We did it. I can't believe we, we did look- it. I thought for sure we, we were going to get to yeah. like five or six and then just be like, fuck this. This sucks. So this is this is a testament to how good this book is. Because exactly. I never wanted to stop. I just wanted to keep going every volume. Like, I couldn't wait to get on to the next one. So, yeah. Awesome. We covered volume one in, like, episode 35. We covered volume two in, like, episode, I don't know, 50-something. 59, maybe. And 
I was thinking, wow, I don't know if we're ever going to get through this. I was thinking at that time, at volume two, I was like, I don't know if we're going to get through this. It took a long time to get to volume two. And you know what? We didn't speed up. We may have slowed down, but we got through it. We Yeah, we did slow down. There was a big gap in there. Big gap, yeah. Where we kind of forgot about it. Yeah. But yeah, here it is. Everybody? I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we have like a, a full story, a yeah, full like yeah, yeah. story that contains many volumes, many episodes for someone to go back and listen to. You can see us evolve over four years, just as the book has evolved over more than four years. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I think in the early ones, we had we had some real foul language in some of those episodes. Oh no, did mm-hmm. we say swears? Yeah, we, we said fucking language? swears in some of those those older episodes, oh, no. but. Yeah, so don't let those turn you off. If you if you yeah. if you're the type that your ears burn when the much more tame now when the words of the devil come out of our mouth, then oh shit, they, it gets better. It gets better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We were just being rebels back then. We were like, let's, <laughs> yeah. just, we let's just put it out there. Way back in thirty five, eh? episode thirty five, yeah. we're just little we're young trailblazers, just uh, exactly yeah. smoking cigarettes. You know. Drinking oh, some yeah. beers, we smoked and, a lot of cigarettes, yeah, and yeah. Uh, letting the the f bombs fly. Yeah, I blame the you, Dean. Yeah, I know it's. It was all uh, your. I will take the blame. I'll take. The blame. <laughs> it was all of your energy. Your uh, yeah, your potty mouth energy. Yeah, I don't know it's if too any much. of that's true, but I, I think it's all true, Tim. I think I all know. of it is. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm definitely going to go back and read all of this again. I don't think I'm going to go back right. and listen to our episodes though. Yeah. Um I did listen to uh, um a fond farewell part 1 today though just to kind of like recap that's good. where yeah. we were at. So yeah. I, and our I feelings on it. Did we predict at the end of that what we thought? Well, first of all we liked it. Spoiler okay, alert. Okay, great. Yeah. Thumbs up. We didn't predict we didn't predict anything, but we okay. said what we wanted to have happen. Oh, interesting. And then I don't want to spoil anything, so all I'll say is it may or may not have happened. Cool. Okay. So there you go. The vaguest response possible. Awesome. That gives me no direction at all. And I was part of that conversation, and I don't know what you're talking about. I can't say. Okay, well, well, what we said was that we both... I I asked what we were both looking for out of the end of the series. Yeah. And we were both looking for a happy ending for Maria and Marcus. So I cannot say whether that happens or not, because that would be ruining this episode. Yeah. And I refuse to do stuff like that. cannot confirm or deny that. Right. I can confirm that by the end of the episode, we will let you know if this series ended the way we were hoping. Right. Okay. Cool. Now, this is going to sound like a broken record because we do it every time, but the book is written by Rick Remender, um, the GOAT comic book writer, in my opinion. It's a good opinion. Art by Wes Craig, uh, a tremendous stylistic choice for this book. Mm-hmm. He just encapsulated like the mood and the feeling so well with his art. Lee Lowridge on colors. Uh, shout out to Jordan Boyd, who did the first few uh, volumes. But right. uh, Lee, Lee Lowridge, you know, he's been uh, pulling the wagon for a while here. This book is just so great for the adventure taking that the colorist always does. It, yeah. Everything is just, it's so wild. Like, what are they going to do next? And they're always blowing my mind with their choices of, you know, full pages of color, characters in one full color, backgrounds in a different color, splashes of color here, 
using the entire color spectrum. It's blows me away. Great stuff. Yeah, it's um I think it's an overused word in uh in, in podcasting in general, <laughs> but um it's interesting. <laughs> the art is very interesting. Uh and the the like arts and the colors together. Every book, every page we open up, it's like what are we going to see next? And we like when we when we look at it, we we really like get blown away with like what the 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 choices are and the choices to us are like very interesting things it keeps us engaged in the book so it's like an amazing story you know written by what you you said the the goat of writing i think he's up there for me as well uh rick remender and then you also have this art team that's just like taking these cool chances and like producing a page that we look at and they're like this is cool i like this and i like how it's broken down and i like how it works with the story so like just those two together like is this story is just so awesome um, every time we sat down to read a volume, there was like no dip. I felt, you know, it was always just like the next one we did. We were like, yeah, it's great. And we loved it. No dip. Um, there, there was one time when we came off of such a high and I was thinking it's bound to slow down here. Um, and what, while things slowed down, like there wasn't as much action, everything was still just a page tur- turner. It was all so exciting I just wanted to keep going. That ended up being one of the best volumes. I think it ended up being one of your favorite volumes. It was after, um, it was when we didn't know if uh, Marcus had killed Victor. They were fighting in the ocean and then it ended with like a bang, bang. And then we didn't know. And then they didn't even get into it (laughs) like right away. I don't think, I think they just like moved into something different. So fucking good. But here's what happened last volume really quickly is that Maria returned um, there's been times in the series where she just disappears for a volume. Yeah. And she's our favorite. So it sucked not having her around from time to time, but she comes, sure. she comes back last volume, her and Marcus end up getting married and Shabnam is finally making his move and he's going after the King's dominion people that are left over. Yeah. Old shabby. Can't get rid of that guy. No, you can't. Can't get rid of your old college roommates, hey? Oh, I guess that was high school. <laughs> high school roommates can never get rid of those guys. No, he's like that guy who always hangs around. I think we talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, you know you the guy. You can't you know get rid of him. The guy's just there. You know the shab. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into the cover of the first issue. And mm, it's okay. It It's a bit dull. The colors aren't all that great. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of like monochromatic, um, except for some, you know, a little bit of pink on the page. But it's Marcus sitting at a book signing, uh, and it there's just a bunch of like laser sight dots from guns pointed at him. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Yeah, even even when some of these covers have been like, you know, we we've got criticisms of them uh they're still usually great and like pop off the shelf and like i would walk into a comic book shop and buy it i don't know what this one honestly this one was a little bit of a miss on a cover for me it's a little yeah it's just a little boring it's lacking color i i like the idea like i get the idea that you know he's he's settled down he's signing books but there's all these lasers still, you know, he's still a target. I, I get that. You know, you're forever going to be this target, but uh, lacking a bit. Like if I didn't know what Deadly Class was and I walked in that week, this would not catch my eye. So, yeah, a, li- a little miss for me, I think. Yeah, it's framed very well. But yeah, if you made everything 
the pink color and then made like the bullet holes black or something like that. It just might add a little bit of interest to it, but yeah, I'd like to fine. see that to see how that would have, uh, how that would affect it, affected it. But uh, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's not like it looks bad or anything, but like, this is one where I don't think I would just see it on the shelf and be like, Oh, cool. Catch my eye. You know, now we start off and it's 2008. We're at helmet's house. We see that he has a wife and three children. Then he gets a phone call and a hit needs to be made on someone in Moscow within the next 24 hours. Helmet smiles when he sees the target is Shabnam. Nice. He tells his wife, this is the big one. The one he's been waiting for. This hit will make them safer. It will make the world safer. So yeah. I, I, he's I not like th- that. I like it. He's not the only one that's smiling. I'm smiling too that it's Shabnam. It's like, yes, let's go. Yeah. Helmet looks great. Like just so oh, scruffy, man. such a long beard, like old man helmet here. Give me that comic. Um, just love it. Yeah. Uh, then we're reminded of Maria's painful medical condition. And we see that Marcus has published a book called Lone Star. Mm. And this book is probably one of my most favorite things in this entire series. Yeah. Because it's basically Fear Agent, which is my favorite. Oh, okay. It's my favorite Remender book. And he's written this book, Lone Star, and it's basically Fear Agent in Deadly Class. Yeah. So I didn't think about that. I got the connections between it being like Deadly Class. You know, like it's, I think Lone Star is like, with the things that he's trying to tie into his kind of real life is deadly class for him. But I didn't think about fear agent. It didn't make that connection. That's even better. It's like, he did actually write this comic before, but all the things that are happening to the comic feel like they were more deadly class things, but yes. Awesome. That it's fear agent. Well, there's that one shot where he goes, well, we'll get to it later, but there's actually a a picture of a guy who looks like just like Heath Houston from, um, uh, fear agent. It's like a cover. It's like a cover of Fear Agent. That makes me even think about it even more because I've, I've thought a lot about Lone Star and a lot about how that it's him talking about his process through Deadly Class. Now to think that it's Fear Agent, it's like, it yeah, it just makes me think more about it. Like, is that the one he really wanted to get on, uh, like on TV? Um, when he Because like when he saw the character come out dressed as that, that character from, from Fear Agent, you know, Marcus loved it so yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, damn, like, is he just want Fear Agent to take off? Like, is that the one he always wanted? Uh, yeah, anyways, that's that's cool stuff. Yeah, well, I got lots of stuff to say about that when we get there. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, a couple issues away. Now, this book signing that Marcus has for Lone Star, I just loved this. It, <laughs> there's, like, really yep. not a lot going on. He goes to the signing only one person shows up and that one person's like giving him a bit of grief because (laughs) he likes hard sci-fi rather than pulp sci-fi and Marcus's book was pulp sci-fi. So the guy comes in and says that and he has like no affect on his face. Just, I don't even know why he's there. Marcus is like, do you want me to personalize it for you? And he's like, no, no. And then that was it. That was like his book signing. It's one person came and One he, person with criticism saying basically he doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Can you sign this? I don't like it, by the way. Yeah, I like the hard sci-fi better. What? But yeah, yeah. So after that, Marcus like throws all of his books into the garbage, and then yeah. uh, walks well, away. 
And even the like, even the place hosting his book signing, like they're not set up for him. They don't even have a table. They're like, oh, maybe get one of those foldable tables out. They call the book the wrong name. It's like, <laughs> oh, everybody for um for for loner stars or whatever, come over yeah, here, yeah. come over here for the signing. Like just totally getting the name wrong. Uh, yeah, this was uh. Yeah, this is that reality check or whatever for Marcus where it's like, okay, well, I did it. I got the book, but like nobody fucking cares. And that, that sucks. Yeah, it was very funny. Um, I liked it a lot. Now, yeah. as we see him throw those books away, we also see that Shabnam has somebody following Marcus. Yeah. Now, Helmet has made his way to Shabnam's location. He walks through the front door and there's like four goons at the bar. He pulls out this incredible sword uh, that's been turned into like a giant axe. <laughs> it's like 80% yeah. of it is sword, but then at the tip, it's like a giant battle axe on it. Uh, so awesome. He just annihilates these goons and heads upstairs to Shabnam's office. He sneaks up behind Shabnam, but it's a decoy. The uh, doors damn. slam closed. Brandy appears on the computer and starts yelling at him. As the room fills with mustard gas. And I know you and I are both thinking, he's got to get out of this. He's getting he's, out. He's got he to get out. He's helmet. Yeah. But no, he actually does get killed by the gas here. Brandy chose the gas because Petra killed Billy using gas. And since helmet was in love with Petra, Brandy thought that this would be a fun way to kill him. Then uh, it's tough as we watch helmet die. Um, but I, I don't know, like this didn't actually do too much for me. Like I know he's one of the friends, but he's been bad in this book. So yeah, this didn't have a real huge impact for me. Yeah. We're, we're the same here, Tim. Like I had exactly the same feelings where it was not a huge, like, not a huge hit for me, not a huge emotional thing where I was like, oh, so sad. But I had the same thoughts of he's going to get out of this. He's got to get out of this. Like as soon as it started happening, I'm just like, no, 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 no. But he's going he's gonna to get out. Like He's getting out of the room. This isn't going to take him out. But then it does. It does take him out. And yeah, it's not like a big emotional thing for me. I, I, I like the choice in the book to take him out here. But it was very surprising that he didn't get out, out of this, uh, this mustard gas room. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are in the final you know, yeah. volume. So it makes so sense. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I really loved the, um, the one page kind of final page of his death. It's broken into four quadrants and it's basically the same picture in each one. And it just fades. It keeps fading yeah. more and more out until the last, the last panel you can like barely see helmet. Yeah. It's very much like a, uh, you know, his story's done, you know, like, okay, we're, we're done drawing helmet. You know, it's like, it's fading away in the pages. You're done. Helmet's gone. We don't draw him anymore. You know, we don't put him on the page anymore. It felt very much like that, like the end, the fading away. Now on to issue 54. Now this cover, I really did like actually, yeah. um, for its uh, existentialism because you have Marcus, he's floating upside down in what looks like outer space. And that's the cover. So this I liked. This would this would get this got me excited for the issue. Totally. I, I, I 100% agree. And there's like small, 
spots of color, you know, because he's floating in other outer space. So there's like small color kind of around him in the in the stars there. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. This one is good, even though it's not doing a lot. You know, they're like they're, most of it's black and it's just got kind of some some color in it. Uh, but totally. I, I, I love this cover. It was great. Yeah, it's just really interesting. Now we start this issue with Zenzeli or Z, as we call her. She is speaking to the New York Times and is trying to convince them that Brandy, who's currently a senator and presidential candidate, is the leader of a white nationalist terrorist organization and also an assassin. Now, the Times is having trouble believing her because she doesn't have any proof. King's Dominion uh, was not known to the public. Everything Mm -hmm. in it was destroyed. And Brandy has killed everyone from the school she could find. Right. Uh, then uh, a nice moment as we see that Z and Tasawi are married. Yeah. So they were always kind of like, seem to be best buds in the previous volumes. And uh, yeah, they got married. So. Yeah, very Yay! good. And I, I like this. <laughs> friends Yay, got married. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I love when our friends get married. That's the best. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I like this, uh, like this meeting with the, with the paper. I think it's, uh, it's smart that in the, for the book, for her to go to the paper and, uh, also like their response was really good because like, I just, like they want to listen, you know, they want to, it feels like they want to get to the story. If that is the story, they want to be able to like write it and print it, but they just, they can't off one person that just walks in and tells them this, right? Yeah. So, it, it, you know, there's just not enough for them there. So I just thought that this was really, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good, um, it was a good part for me where, where Z's trying to tell, tell, like it, it basically exposed Brandy to the paper. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to Marcus talking to his agent who just sold Lone Star to a TV network. Hey, this is quite the flip flop from his book signing, you know, blowing ass to now he's actually yeah. sold the story for TV. Totally. Marcus is not happy about it though. He thinks it's doomed to fail because it's going to air on the crime network, but it's a sci-fi story. Yeah. This I absolutely fucking love because yeah. I do feel like this is Remender speaking to his experience with the deadly class TV show which came out in 2019 and like Marcus slash Remender, um, they are saying in the book here, how grateful they are for the opportunity to do this, but it's doomed from the start. And in the story, it's doomed because of the crime network. And in real life, deadly class aired on the sci-fi network. This is not a sci-fi story. It doesn't belong there. So I just, I loved that. Like, like how in your face Remender throws this. Um, it's just such like this pure experience that I, I truly believe he did have. And he's just laying out here in the comic. Totally, Tim. Uh, I loved this. This is the first kind of hint we get that he's going to be really putting a lot of his feelings into the into this comic, uh, which I love because we've read it for 11 volumes now. And he's uh, we always felt like, you know, his his heart's in all of these books, but you're never quite sure because it's a character. And here it's like, OK, I now feel like words that I'm reading from Mar- from Marcus are, you know, maybe closer to words that I'm reading from Rick Remender. Yeah. And uh, this. Yeah, this is great. It's a crime. Deadly class. It's a crime. 
It's a crime story, basically, and they put it on Sci-Fi Network. You know, it's the opposite of his Lone Star, which is Sci-Fi, and they put it on the Crime Network. And yeah, he just thought it was doomed to fail. Like, Sci-Fi Network is like kind of where they put comic book shit, but it just like doesn't fit you know it's like it's it's not you're not tuning into sci-fi for this type of thing because it's not sci-fi at all so if you're watching the sci-fi channel it's not sci-fi like it, it's crime it's it's different it's different um so yeah this was uh it, it, what it got me doing was uh, pulling up the IMDb page of Deadly Class, pulling up the Wikipedia page of Deadly Class, the show, and just like reading through a bunch of stuff and the reading through the process because like I wanted to know how much of this is going to line up. And it is uh, it is kind of interesting how much of it does line up. So Marcus has to move to Vancouver, B.C. for three months to shoot the show. And which is where they shot Deadly Class. I, yeah. I looked into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's so fucking cool. Um Marcus is really being put through the grind. He's become addicted to breakfast burritos. His <laughs> days are very hectic, to say the least. Yeah. He has a Q&A with the press at three. Then he has to go to Sci-Fi Con in New York in a couple days. Then back to L.A. to edit the pilot. Then a call with the studio later that afternoon. Then a tone meeting. Then a meeting with the producers. Then costume approvals. And, oh, the special effects have been quoted as being a couple hundred thousand dollars over budget, so he'll need to pick some visual effects scenes to cut out. The music budget is already $500,000 over budget, and Marcus needs to be in San Francisco tomorrow night for a Honda commercial. So Marcus is feeling down. Yeah. That would make me feel down as well. Yeah. How come we don't have tone meetings anymore? Yeah, I know. It's a great question. Yeah, we don't we sh- we need to we need to keep checking in on tone, I think. Well, what do you think our tone is? I don't know, we haven't had the meeting. Okay. <laughs> we need to have the meeting and figure this shit out. <laughs> okay, we'll schedule them. Seems to be important. We'll schedule in a tone meeting. Okay, Dean? Yeah, maybe if we had a tone meeting, we Honda would be calling. Maybe. Well, yeah. See, could be the thing this podcast needs to get a movie made about it. According to this issue, you don't want Honda to be calling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's true. Except, you know, they'll sponsor. Yeah, it's, uh... Oh, let's get some of that Honda money. Get some of that Honda money, you know? Right on. Might get a movie out of it. Yeah. Ooh, talking back the movie, hey? Is yeah. that what we need? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, that would suck. <laughs> Obviously, it would be awful. <laughs> moving on <laughs> we'll get aaron sorkin to write it he'll make it ex- it's exciting okay that sounds you can good. make anything that sounds boring exciting that sounds good i'm down for that who, who would play you in the movie dean oh that's a great question um i don't know i've never really thought about that daniel radcliffe daniel radcliffe oh interesting i just watched all the harry potter movies so he's on my mind <laughs> okay cool <laughs> cool. Um, I want to be played by. Um, I want to be CG. I want them to create a CG character <laughs> of me. You're just completely. CG. <laughs> I want to be completely CG. Okay. Maybe even like 2D cool. cell animation. Yeah, yeah. Like one oh, of those. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just to make it even, fun, to make yeah. it even worse. Yeah. So as as I was mentioning before, you decided we needed to have a tone meeting. Marcus, hey, it sounds it sounds like we need it. Mar- yeah, Marcus is feeling down, but he goes to the trailer of the lead actor who comes out in full costume 
and Marcus is inspired by seeing him. And this yeah. actor comes out and he is like ex- exactly um he's wearing exactly what Heath Houston wears at one point in Fear Agent. It's exact it's the exact fucking costume. Like he he did it's it exact on purpose. Thing. It's literally like a a shot from one of the covers yeah, too. Yeah. Like I feel like the angle is exactly the same as maybe the first cover. I'm not sure I can't re- remember them all, but like I didn't even think about that, Tim, until you brought it up and then it like just flashed in my head and it's like that is exactly what he looks like. That's the exact shot. That's totally what he's going for. I thought that'd be so obvious, Dean. I thought we we're going to come in here and I like know. high five that uh, Remender uh. put Fear Agent into Deadly Class. It's like yeah. It's so meta. I love it. I was so like I was so obsessed with it being Deadly Class, just like a flip version that I didn't expand my mind further to like connect it to Fear Agent. So I love that you brought that. That's awesome. Open your mind, Dean. Let me in. My Quaid is going downhill. No, I was on it, Tim. It's honestly, I was going to say point point number one in the tone meeting is more Quaid. Nah, uh, well, or, sorry, yeah, more. I- Quado. Oh, yeah, Quaid. Quaid, fuck. Quado. Quado. Um, yeah, no. Well, more Quado because it's getting so bad I need to practice it. Right. You Get maybe need to up. practice it. But, like, we need more. We need more open your mind, I think. Uh, okay. Well, I can uh, I can uh, see. We can see about that. We'll see what I can do. We can see what I can do about the more, more okay. Quado. I mean, it's discussion point number one in tone yeah. meeting. Maybe I just need to find a new voice for him. Open your mind. <laughs> Open your you... mind, Dean. Quaid. No, way worse. Way worse. Quaid. Open your mind. You don't like it. I it might like... work. You better. know what? You just need to. You just need to watch the movie again, and then you'll just like it. It'll. You'll lock in. You'll lock into the voice. It'll be like muscle memory. Your your vo- your throat will remember how to do it. That's possible. Yeah, I, I should watch yeah. Total Recall again. It's been a while. Oh, for sure. Love that movie. Hey, remember when we recorded that episode and you forgot to turn our microphones on? That was awesome. Oh, that is the worst sounding episode. I forgot. We forgot. to. Uh, I guess I. I forgot to turn the microphone on and then we sat like a mile away. Yeah. We sat 100 meters away from the microphone. Yeah, I was as far away from the computer as, as is possible and it was picking up yeah. my voice. So I sounded great. I was like, open your mind, Quaid. Oh, damn. Quaid. What a good episode, too. Open your mind. Does that mean we have to... Okay, point number two in tone meeting. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I know what tone meeting is for. <laughs> we need to have a pre-meeting about what tone yeah, okay. meeting will be, and then we can have a tone Set meeting. Set the agenda for tone meeting. Yeah. I'm actually starting to look forward to tone meeting now. I think yeah, I know. Fun. It sounds pretty good. It, so- it we actually sounds we like we, we really need it. Yeah, quite, we quite badly, all the things we, we do wrong, yeah. Think about all those other like popular podcasts who do have tone oh, meetings. They and definitely have tone meetings. That's why they're doing so well. Yeah, and that's why everyone who tunes in knows what they're tuning in for, and they always get what they want. Here, you never know. You never know what you're gonna get. We have a, our tone is lawnmowers and milk. That's our tone. Yeah, that's true. I think we're living up to it. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. And taking forever to finish things we started. Yeah, true. Also, our tone. I mean, so we'll just have to review if that's the thing to do. I think so. We just have to lock in our tone. Yeah, and, and make sure we keep continue to follow it. Exactly. Exactly beer that's part of our tone yeah yeah definitely and robots we've we've got one maria and marcus they fly to san francisco uh now marcus has gotten sick 
okay? But he has to do this Honda commercial. But he has a fever and he's vomiting. So Maria calls and tries to get them to reschedule the Honda commercial. Uh, because Marcus thinks it's just going to be a small, small deal. He's like, well, they just rescheduled. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. But it turns out it's a huge production. I'm like, he has to go. He can't not go. Yeah. Now, Honda and the TV network that his show is airing on have made a big deal for Honda to be the sponsor. And in return, they want to do this commercial with Marcus for their new Honda Trailblazer. Marcus previously lived in San Francisco and drove an old Honda when he was younger. So yeah. he feels a connection to this city and and Honda. And that's what he thought he was going to be doing here is kind of like just right. talking yeah. about his connection to the city, to the car when he was kind of like down and out. But that's not what ends up happening here. And when the uh, commercial starts, the interviewer starts asking him, how he thinks the punk rock spirit of Lone Star applies to the new Honda Trailblazer. And uh, Marcus says there's no way he's doing a commercial where he tells them how punk rock a car is. But he gets talked into it. The, the interviewer asks him where he lived in San Francisco. And he says in the catacombs under Chinatown in a secret school for assassins. <laughs> that's a, that a wicked line. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny, Marcus. Very on the nose. Yeah. Then Marcus sees a flash of Petra, Billy, and Lex, who are ripping on him in his mind for going mainstream and having his own car commercial. This never would have flown back in the day with this group. Oh, no way. This is what they rip on. Yeah. He's selling out. Yeah. Then the interviewer asks him, how cool would 16-year-old Marcus think this Honda is? <laughs> And dude, like this Honda, it looks like ass. It is like the yeah. ugliest car, obviously on purpose. It, it looks so yeah. ugly. It's not cool. It's not punk. You know, it's not going to sell. And uh, Marcus's response was just that he says, well, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what what 16-year-old, you know, me, how cool I would think this car is. It's hard to say, Yeah, which is basically like saying... Like, I'd hate it. He would look down on himself for doing this. Uh, I like I like this a lot. I like this part a lot with the car, the car sponsoring the show. So, like, he's he knows he has to kind of, you know, he's, he's got to do the commercial. So he's, he's willing to do the commercial. He's willing to go there and do the commercial for the sponsor of the show, which is Honda. He has a connection to Honda. He had a Honda car that was a piece of shit when he was growing up. This makes sense to him. And I think this does, like, make sense. What a great commercial that would have been for, like... The, him to just talk about his experience in the in the city that he grew up in with a car that he grew up with, you know, like more of a personal story here to try to like have your Honda commercial, you know, to take that angle for your commercial. Um, so like there's this there's this interesting pocket here where he is okay with promoting that sponsor, and yeah. you know it sounds cool. It actually does sound like that type of commercial would be cool. And then they pivot to how punk rock is our new car, <laughs> and it's like oh this is such it's, bullshit. Yeah, it's like. Not. It, it's it's not and he can't say this he can't like just no. go in and say how punk rock this new car that's not he has no connection to this new car it's not what it's about so you get 
you kind of get this, you know, you know, both sides of it. Like, yeah, sometimes sponsor might be okay because you do have a connection to it. And it's like, you can actually speak on something, you know, maybe from your heart a bit. And then there's the other one where you just like got to lie about whatever they tell you to say, because you like, you don't believe it. And you're connecting it in some stupid way that doesn't even make sense. Why would the car be punk rock? It's so stupid. Yeah. Um, so I, I really liked this part. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was so funny because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard is how yeah. tell us how punk rock you think this car is. Well, your Honda it's a is. piece of shit, dude. It's so it sucks yeah. so bad. Yeah. Like if he says this car is punk rock, he loses every ounce of credibility that he has in his body. So, yeah, I mean, this was one of my most favorite issues in recent memory. Uh, there's not a lot going on. Like there's zero assassin stuff going on. But it's just like this really fun, uh, really interesting stuff with the fear agent. They actually walked through a few sets for the show. And man, those sets were so awesome. They were like, one of them was inside a spaceship. Another one was like on some pink planet with mushrooms growing everywhere. Like it was just, this was like kind of like a calm, a calm down issue, which they do from time to time. And are always like my favorites. And I just, I loved it so much. It just, honestly, dude, this issue warmed my heart. I loved every word that I was reading. I loved what was going on. I laughed so many different times. Uh, This was just an all-time classic issue for me. I totally agree. Uh, Meta stuff is, um, is my favorite type of stuff if I feel a connection with the person who's creating it. Uh, and that's definitely what I felt here. Uh, so like this meta stuff is just, it, it's it's so great. Uh, you really, that, I think that's why we love it so much. I, I really feel like I'm connected to the story even more because I'm connected to the guy who's writing it. I feel yeah. like I'm all the way there. You know, I'm pushing through the story and connecting with the person that's making it. And like, how amazing is that with art? That's exactly what you want out of the art. So yeah, I, I totally agree. This this issue is awesome. Well, that's always been Remender's vibe. It, he yeah. has the way of connecting real life stories and putting them into this book in a way that reads so well. And it feels like you're reading this story, but also you can tell these were lived experiences, but they're not written in a way that is so in your face that they were lived. It's like he he has a way of explaining the like the mood and the the feeling and the heart that he took out of those moments and then he's able to put that into words into this character of Marcus and have him kind of be the one that we're watching go through this day-to-day routine. Um, But we really, we learned so many like lessons from Remender's writing. Uh, Man, he's just a, this is such a masterclass. This, uh, this franchise, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah. That's, that's why it's so cool. We've been saying all along every volume, I can't remember how many times I've said like, oh, I feel like I'm Marcus in this situation. How could I feel like I'm Marcus? Like I didn't go to assassin school. I'm not an assassin. You know, all these things he goes through. I've never done any of those things, but I feel like I'm him in the moment because he remembers able to get those like real emotions across where you're like, yeah, I feel that. And I feel like I know what he's, how he's feeling, even though we'd never been in that situation. So now in this issue, we're getting fast forwarded close to our time like now we're in times where we remember and we remember having like those exact uh, emotions so it's very cool that now we, we've been able to connect to this story that feels so distant and it's actually distant in time as well and now it's catching up to our time and catching up to you know types of problems that we can relate to just yeah cool stuff yeah now that's the end of that issue on to issue 55 this cover 
uh, definitely the most colorful of the volume. There's bright yellows, purples, and reds. And you have Marcus and Maria kind of like half hugging on the cover. And she's got her hand on his chest. And you can see this little like white heart. Lots of cool um, shapes going on. Like there's colorful shapes. There's like, it looks like like red and purple rectangles are kind of like bleeding down from the top. And there's white ones from the bottom going up. This one was really interesting. I actually really like it. Even though it's just them hugging, this is like a really, really popping cover for me. Yep, same. It's a uh, for me. It's like a classic, deadly class design um, where yes, they do these, you know, yes. these rectangles. You know, it's it's that classic design that they right. do. I think in between the chapters, they do this type of thing. So yes, exactly. it was really cool. Yeah, really cool to see it on the cover. Uh, same with you again. I just like I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, e- even though there's not a lot of action happening, there's just like them hugging. That's also intriguing. You know, like okay, we're getting close to the end. We've got this issue where they're just hugging on the cover. We know it's going to be you know a lot about them. Uh, and it looks great. It, it, it's done in this design I've seen throughout the book. So, yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. Now, uh, in this issue, it's 2020. We're, almost, we're getting there. We're getting there. And Marcus and Maria are on the Hawaiian island of Kauai. Looks fucking gorgeous, obviously. Yeah. And they're hiding from COVID. This yeah. This is so great. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> We see that they have a son and daughter, which just has to warm your heart. Marcus says he finally figured out an ending to his book. It will end with the death of Lone Star. Right after he gets married and finally finds happiness, he'll die senselessly at the hands of an old enemy, just like reality, he says. Everything just gets worse and worse, and the shitty people win, and nothing ever works out. No Disney bullshit. I'm ending the book in an honest way. So I read that. And I think it sounds like that's how our book might be ending. That might be prepping us for the ending of Deadly Class. It's honestly, it's, it's so genius to write this. We've already connected so hard with Lone Star here like we've connected it with Deadly Class so now we know that like Marcus's main character in Lone Star is probably Marcus in this book that we're reading yep so now not only am I thinking oh okay I guess he's killing Marcus at the end of this now I'm thinking how can you even go back on that how can you even like because you've said none of this Disney bullshit you know he he's doubled so hard into it he's leaned so hard into it how could you come back from that without it feeling like a sellout without it feeling like you did this cop out at the end of the book to make things nice so i'm very interested at this point i stopped i just started to think of all the things i could think about because this is just very interesting that he would set it up get our minds to that point where we think he's you know he's got to kill marcus and if he's not how could he possibly do it where i would accept it now uh so just like a really cool setup here in this issue yes definitely made me very anxious as yeah. as did some things in last volume, but yeah, I I I really felt like he was setting up the ending here, like really hard. Yeah, yeah. So we cut to Saya. It's the next day, and she's looking at a picture of Marcus and Maria, uh, of them on their beach in Kauai. Her men tell her they've been hiding there for nine months, but their secret is not so secret anymore. She says. Shabnam and Brandy? And the guy says yes. And that Marcus and Maria are their next targets. 
Saya asks, when? And he says, tonight. He says, Shabnam and Brandy's plan is to have Marcus and Maria watch the kids bleed out, then they get sunk alive. And the team going is more than 30 men. And this guy asks if they should have a Kurokai guard detail there to intercept the assassins, or they could simply warn them. This, like, this made me feel so warm and fuzzy inside that they were wanting to stand up here for Marcus and Maria. Totally. I really, really liked it. And I, I was like, this is so cool. Like, the Kurokai, Saya is going to send the Kurokai to intercept these 30 guys. There's going to be this awesome, like, we're going to feel like Marcus and Maria are doomed and they're going to get killed. And then the Kurokai are going to come in. We're going to have this epic battle. And Saya was going to have her hand in saving them. Yeah. And it's cool that it didn't come from Saya. It came from like... Yeah, the, one of the guys. The group. Yeah. The guys, they know that that Marcus and Maria are important to Saya. So they bring it up. They're like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. We can intercept that if you want. You know, it's still your call. Yeah. But just for them to bring it up, it's like, oh, you know, the whole group knows that they're important to her. And yeah. that's just, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I was like, fuck yeah, man. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then Saya thinks about it for a second and says, stay out of it. They've all made their decisions. Yeah. That shocked me. Shocked me. I like I like it with the whole picture, but in the moment, definitely shocked me. Same. Like it broke my heart. Um Yeah, totally. Yeah. That she wouldn't go help them. But Agreed. Yeah. And then this was like a bummer. She goes out to party. Like to celebrate that they're gonna get killed. Yeah. She goes to a bar I mean, and she like shoots heroin and has an orgy because she's excited they're yeah. finally going to die. I mean, I think it's the other way. I think it's drowning it out. I think it's I think it's drowning out the the pain of it, of not making that choice. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Because that... I think it keeps playing in her mind. It keeps playing. It that guy keeps asking her, what should we do? What should we do? And she keeps playing in her mind, her saying no. So I think it's, you know, she also has a dream in this where she is Maria um, so I think there's a little bit of her, the, the regret here and, um, and then she's just like drowning it out. That's actually a really great take. I think that is what's happening. That's not how I read it, but I think you're right. Yeah. Um, because yeah. even when she's like doing all the stuff she's doing, she's not happy. She's not enjoying. It's not like a, yeah. it's not like a celebratory thing. She's like throwing her hands up and dancing and partying. She like sits on a couch and does heroin and passes out and like is not pleased. So yeah, yeah. I, I like yeah. that take. Now back to Marcus, Maria, and the kids. They're playing in the ocean. Really awesome comic book technique here where the panels go quiet of text as we're watching them play in the ocean. Uh, this made me very uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'm just waiting for something like to happen because there's no totally. talking, there's no text. It was really weird, but it was too quiet on those pages. I really, 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 really got worried here. I'm like, this is this is where it's gonna happen. Some people are gonna start getting killed here. This is gonna this is gonna suck. There's a beautiful two page spread of Maria and the kids swimming underwater. Just like, man, one of the best spreads in the entire series. Just them swimming underwater. It was it looked so yeah. great. It is great. I just loved it so much. Yeah, it looks awesome. But then back to Saya. It's morning, 
and she's leaving the club. She goes home to find her girlfriend lying dead on the floor with a gunshot to the head and Shabnam sitting by the window with a gun. So this was like really good um, like placement of panels because you see Shabnam and you start to wonder what's going to happen. And like, honestly, I did not think what was going to happen actually happened because you, we turn, you turn the next page and Saya is immediately shot in the head. Yeah. And that, that's not what I thought. I thought there was at least going to be some sort of a conversation. Maybe who knows, maybe there's some sort of like partnership thrown out or something. I just did not think that the very next panel would be here being shot in the head with no words said. So it was really shocking for me. Very unexpected. Yeah, I, I knew th- I, I felt like I knew this was coming. I, I mean, just like when Shabnam was there, I was like, she is dead. This is it for her. No questions asked. Uh, whether I knew it would happen so quickly, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if I knew that it would be like next panel for like she'd be dead. But I knew as soon as he was there, I was like, oh, you know, this is the end of her for sure. With the choices that she's made in this issue up to this point, this is definitely going to be the end of her of her story. Yeah, I just feel like lots of people talk before they want to kill someone in the in these totally. books. Yeah. But not Shabnam. He's just he just goes no. about business. There's no talking well, for even, him. It's just yeah, go even ahead. Helmet. Like there was a lot of talking yeah. with when Helmet while he was dying. And we were still sitting there thinking, is he gonna make it? Is he not gonna make it? None of that with Saya. Just like yeah, yeah boom, just boom dead. So man, some I mean I'm saying a lot about panels here, but some more really, really great panel work with uh, Saya's death. After she gets shot, there's three panels. The first one is her falling to her knees. The second is her falling towards the floor. And the third is her dead on the floor. Then the next page is five panels and it's a close-up on her face. And each panel, um, we sort of pull further and further down from her face and closer and closer to the puddle of blood that's on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where we get to the last panel and it's just all red. And that transitions into the next page. When you go to the next page, the entire page is red. Yeah. Great stuff. This was very impactful. And yeah. And it really it needed to be. Like this is Saya. Yeah. This is our our third main character in the story. Oh man. Um I don't, I guess I am surprised they killed her, but you know, if you're going to do it, you got to do it this way where I know 100% it was definitive. Like she yeah. is 100% dead. We we've, we've had times before before where people get killed and we're like, "Are they killed or are, are they dead? We don't know. Like maybe they'll come back." Victor would get like a cinder block dropped on his head <laughs> and he comes back and he's just like, I'm, "He's the terminator." Yeah, I'm fine. So, um fantastic job of making it hurt as she goes out here yeah for sure she's uh you like you said the number three character you root so much you know you root so hard for her early on in the book she starts to make bad decisions and i feel like you're still there you're still like okay let's just turn it around you know let's bring it back in but she's stuck with this obsession to to just like 
that she's had all along. You know, she's got to run this gang. That's all she wants to do. Um, and she makes every choice dependent on that, dependent on what, you know, being the leader. Um, and so that brings her to her death here. I think it's a good end for her character. I think her character needs to die here. Um, but it, I, I am shocked. You know, it's like it's one of those things where I feel like it could have went either way. Uh, I like the way it went and it's set up so perfectly to go this way. And I think like all her choices in this issue make perfect sense to me. And I like that this is the way the character went, but it is, it is a little sad because we always are kind of like, Oh, can she bring it back? It, do, is she going to have that redemption arc? Is she going to have that redemption moment? And it didn't come for her. Yeah. She was always the roller coaster character where she's like yeah. up and down, up and down, you know, she's doing good. She's doing bad. We like her. We don't like her. She's good. She's evil. And then it just ends on that downswing, right? Where she she yeah. can't she can't come back from the depths that she got to. So, yeah, a, a good stories have that character that yo yo you, yeah. and it's like I love them or then I hate them, and it's like what is that person's end fate going to be? Are you going to end up loving them at the end, or are you going to end up hating them at the end? And like, how, what, what is their fate? And usually, when the story is a good one, uh, the person. Uh, you know, uh, ends up dying at the end because of like all the bad mistakes that they made. Yep. And she was, it was always her and Shabnam in the running for valedictorian at the school. Yeah. So he kind of gets the last laugh here about that. Yeah, true. Now on to the final issue, issue 56. No. Wow. Now, this cover, at first, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, come on. Give me give me something better than this. It's the final issue. I want to go out with a bang. I want to see some of that, like, I don't know, some of those shots of Ve- the Vegas Strip where the, the drawings were so cool. Everything was, like, so lit up and just this awesome, awesome cover. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, I was wrong because this is the perfect cover, 100%. Yeah. Um, because it's the original King's Dominion crew hanging out and having fun on a rooftop. Yeah. And this is what you need here. This is what you need in the final final issue here. Um, there's some great use of negative space with half the cover being building, but it's just like flat black. And then the friends are all on the roof. They're listening to music. They're jumping. They're smoking. They're drinking. They're throwing homework off. They're all colored in black and blue. And then the background is just a beautiful colored sunset. And at first, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't like it. And then I thought about it. And it's just, this is such a, this is such a nice cover just to have everybody back again for the end. Yep. Totally. Uh, you said perfect in there. I agree. Um, it's my favorite one uh, in this final volume, uh, especially after you read the issue. It's how it has to be. It's how this cover should be. Um, there's some like just amazing choices in this issue that uh, you know lend to this cover being great. And uh, yeah, so I, I love this one. It was my favorite one. Yeah. So it's 2023. Which is actually a year after the um, final issue was released. Oh, okay. So the cool. final th- these issues came out in twenty twenty two. Okay. Now Brandy is at a presidential speech, rallying her white supremacist voters. She gets in a limo with Shabnam, and I guess he's her handler now. 
Mm-hmm. He's telling her she needs Botox and that she needs to get the fat sucked out of her flabby arms. He takes a call. And on that call, he calls Brandy an old horse to whoever's on the other side. <laughs> this is hilarious. Jesus. Shaft, I was like, this guy's just unforgiving with his fucking, fucking worst. hatred of everything. It's the worst. The news is reporting that Brandy will likely become the next president. Right. That's fucking wild, dude. That sucks, man. I can't believe that. She's come so far. That's shit. We see her at her mansion, and she's looking in a mirror. Then we see a door open behind her, and out leaps Maria in full costume. She runs over, kicks Brandy in the face, then pulls out her fan and blows some dust at her. Then we see Brandy and Shabnam tied up in a dark room, captured by Marcus and Maria. Yeah. Listen Yay! To yes. Hooray! We have Yay! Been... <laughs> Hooray! We they did it! Have been re... <laughs> they got them, Dean! <laughs> they got them! Okay, yes. Hooray. Okay. Thanks. That's great. Uh, we've been reading these issues of this volume, uh, the, the three before this, and uh, they're not action-packed. There's not a lot. There's some with Helmet. You know, it's more about uh, how the characters are turning up, the emotions here. And I did not think, maybe the biggest surprise for me, I did not think we were going to see Maria back in costume, kicking fucking ass. This is a fist pump moment just to see her appear behind and then like kick ass in her costume. Unbelievable. Loved that we got this. This felt like it was like the the fan moment, like give it to us. Give give yeah. us Maria, you know, one more time fighting is amazing. Uh, loved it right here. Well, uh, they had bamboozled us because they already set up that Shabnam and Brandy were going after Marcus and Maria at their house. Yeah. And yeah. now, uh, flubbity flop, flobbity flubbity, Marcus and Maria are at their house and they're fucking them up. Yeah, this three is, years later. This is, this is the best. The best. It's the, it's the best. It's the best. We think we're going to get some news about what happened or like, oh, it failed or oh, it succeeded. We don't even know. We just know we're three years in the future. Boom. Right behind you in your home. Fucking Maria in face paint and everything. Oh, with the fans. Just, it, ruled, it ruled. It was awesome. Maria in her costume is just the greatest thing about Deadly Class. It is. It's great. She's probably like 50 at this point in the, in the comic. She's fucking still kicking ass. Marcus says, three years in hiding. Three years using different names. Three years looking over our shoulder, moving around, homeschooling our children, endlessly worrying for them. Three years, long enough to convince you we were dead, all so we could get close enough to do this. So, this is fucking great. But, Dean. Yes. Did Saya tell them? Did she warn them? This is what I've been thinking about. Uh, they... He, she must have. This is what I wanted to ask you. didn't see it, you. and she must have. Okay, so I was. this is what I've just been thinking about since I read it is, is did she? You know, there's nothing in the book. There's, there's nothing, nothing that in the gives book. us in the book. She does think about it over and over. She thinks about that moment over and over. I don't know. Does she make a call somewhere? Does something happen somewhere? She must have because they're alive three years later, and they've been hiding for three years. What? It just, it, it has to be. So in my opinion, yes, I think she does. 
uh, she does make the call or whatever it is before she dies. I think she did do that. Yeah. So I, I like that they don't tell us anything. I know. Matt, I'm still torn. Like, I'll yeah. tell you what. Somebody made a call. I don't know if it was her or maybe her men just made the call themselves. But yeah. Marcus and Maria had to be tipped off that, you know, shit was coming coming their way. I think what's genius about it is it's open for us because we've been up and down with Saya. You know, we felt different ways about her. It's open for us to feel how we want at the end. I, I, yeah. I kind of want the redemption. I want her to have done it. I want the redemption for her. So in my mind, she did it. Mm. You know, it, it, I, she has that redemption. So I think that's that's why it's kind of so genius here that it's not said at all and it's not shown at all. You kind of, with this type of character that gets you back and forth, you make up your own mind. And I, I think I think she gets that right before she dies. She makes that call. It, yeah, it's weird though, because maybe she made the call before she went out and partied. Maybe that's why she yeah, was like, exactly. yeah. maybe that's why she was so fucking down on herself is because she didn't want to yeah. save their lives, but she did. And maybe she's like, I have to fucking get so high to yeah. like feel good about this because I don't, I don't want to save them. I want them to be dead, but yeah. Yeah. It, maybe that's her feeling like I'm weak. And yeah. so, you know, she feels weak in that moment that she did it. So she goes out to kind of drown that feeling. Yeah. So that was just really, really interesting that, uh, yeah. Now we don't know. And then three years later, Marcus and Maria pop up. So good. So good. Now, Maria says they're not going to hurt them. They've given up on revenge. And since Brandy and Shabnam do such a good job of cutting each other, they won't need to. Marcus tosses a sword on the floor. Maria says whoever walks out of here will be safe. And she promises on her kids' lives. But only one gets to walk out alive. So a <laughs> big smile on my face, man. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. Let's, great. let's do this. Yeah. Also, let's think back to 11 volumes of these two characters and who has proven to be better in combat and who has not. Uh, because I think I know who's going to be walking out of this door. Okay, so I put I put the book down at this point. Ooh, cool. And yeah. I'm like, I really need to try to figure out who's coming out of here. Yeah. I, I want to see if I can get it because they could do anything. It's Remender. It could be anything. A fucking 30-foot worm could cl- come out of the door and he'd, he'd yeah. ha- somehow make it work. It'd be the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, it could be Victor. <laughs> that would be. I would have loved that. Actually, it would have been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they they do a great job of just letting you sit with it too, because for sure they show Maria and Marcus leaving the room, and then the like the picture is just the door. It's the door of the room, and we're waiting. Like we're waiting for stuff to happen, and then we read the text. No, please stop, please. Not like this. Not like... And then a full page of five panels all of the door as we're waiting Mm -hmm. to see who comes out. So I went back and forth. I was like, who's coming out? Ultimately, I decided... I thought incorrectly, incorrectly, by the way, I thought Shabnam would come out because 
the text makes it sound like it might be Brandy, you know, like the, the man is going right. to be more powerful than the woman. And it's like, oh, no, please don't do it. You can't end it like this. But actually, that's Shabnam because he's always been a whiny bitch in this book. Right. For sure. And yeah. like, as you already alluded to, Brandy, we didn't see much of it. But when we did see her fight, she might be the toughest character in this entire yeah. series. Brandy's so tough that. Yeah. Brandy comes out. Yeah. I think they gave you so much time to try to figure it out because there's lots of different things to think about. Like, I'm thinking, okay, Shabnam's for sure the one who's not going to hesitate and is just going to go for the sword immediately because, like, he he would always do that. Like, maybe Brandy has a hesitation in her. But then it's like, well, Brandy's definitely the better fighter. Wait, If she can get her hands on that sword, even if she can't, she might still beat him. Like, she might be able to disarm him and beat him. Um, but then I start thinking, like, Shabnam's always the one to come out of the door. Like, Shabnam has survived to this point. He's always the one to walk out of a room alone, like, to be the last one to survive. Um, but then I ended up before I got there, uh, I ended up like, it's gotta be Brandy just cause she's going to kick his ass. Like he, she is just so much better at, at fighting than he is. And yeah. So it was Brandy who came out. Yeah. I went back and forth many times for many different yeah. reasons. Like I really yeah. thought about it and I landed on incorrectly on Shabnam. Yeah. And then I was so mad. I was so mad when Brandy <laughs> came out. I'm like, of course, of course, of course. it was Brandy. I was like, you'd already been there three times. You already thought three times it was going to be Brandy. And then you changed your mind to Shabnam for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, it was, of course it's going to be Brandy. Of course. She's a killer. And I was like, oh, but I will not come to the podcast and say that I thought it was going to be Brandy. No. Because I failed. Yeah. I failed, everyone. I thought it was Shabnam. I got remembered. How many times have we you said that? Remembered. This series. I got remembered. Got remembered. Brandy jumps out. She says, come at me, motherfuckers. Let's see what you've got. And this is really cool because from now on, she's colored in completely red. Like, she's so angry. Yeah. Her whole body's yeah. red. And if you know anything about red, Dean, it's like the color of fire and anger. Anger. Yeah, angry. Yeah. Uh, no, this is so funny. We hear the TV say, breaking report. What promises to be one of the most shocking revelations in U.S. history. Brandy Lynn is charged with domestic terrorism and multiple counts of murder. And it's that woman from the New York Times that we saw earlier. And she's on the news. And she says she's been investigating this for three years and was initially given a tip about Brandy and has been following it. Yes. So throwback to Z. Yeah. Planting this seed. Really, really cool. And that's why that that's why that part's so so good and having their reaction is so genuine because like it feels like they really do want to look into it. It's just that they they like don't have enough information. So it's cool that she has been looking into it. But it's also enough to throw us off that scent. Like, oh, totally. We no yeah. longer We're think like, that it's the done. Times are interested yeah. in it. We don't think they're going to follow yeah. up with this at all, but they do. Yeah. Then we see the FBI kick through Brandy's door and cuff her. The FBI look in the other room and see Shabnam in three pieces. <laughs> Cut to Whoops. pieces. Huh. Decapitated. Oops. Now, Marcus and Maria are driving home, and they are laughing. They say it was better than they imagined it would be. They'd wait in hiding another three years to do it all over again. Yeah, funny. <laughs> Great. They go home and look in on the kids sleeping. They have a glass of wine. Maria asks, what do they do now? And Marcus says, they live their lives. Marcus says... 
He'll finish the last chapter of his book. He wrote the draft where the bad guy wins. Everything is shit. And nobody you like gets out alive. It was shocking, had a big emotional impact. But with the state of the world, all stories end sadly if you follow them long enough. The difference between an up ending and a down one is where you stop. Why not just stop someplace nice? This is amazing because I don't know about you, Dean, but I think Remender really did write that ending to the book where everyone fucking dies. I think he wrote a real, real, like nasty, bad ending, yeah. which would have been cool. Like that, it would have been much sadder and melancholy than um, what we end up getting, but I would have been down with it. It would have like moved me a lot, but because of the times, because of the shit that was going on in the world, I think he decided, like, I need to just make a happy ending here. Like, there's enough shit out there already. I don't need to contribute to that. So I'm going to shift this ending of my story. And to have him be talking about it so much in this book, you know, it's it's just more of like the, like the meta. Like, he's he's so involved in this final issue. And his voice is coming out so much. I loved this. Yeah. It's great. It's beautiful. I think he did write that ending. I think he wrote that painful ending where everybody dies. Um, But I love how he presents it here, how he says that every story is sad if you follow it long enough. Like if you are a person in a story that is like really loved by the end, when you die, eventually everybody dies. When you die, eventually it's sad. Everyone's going to be sad. So every story, we followed this story from the 80s up until 2023. Yeah, so if we follow it longer, Marcus is going to die at some point. Yeah. So like there is a point in this story that he dies, but it's about leaving it on this on this up note, having us feel good about this character. We've been high on him, we've been low on him, he's had ups and downs. Let's leave it on and up. Why not? Why do we we've been put through it already with Marcus. We've had the lows. Let's just leave the story, walk out of it on and up. Every story ends sad. It's just about where you want to leave it. I just thought that this was absolutely great. And if the book ended here, that would have been fantastic. But I think the last couple pages are kind of genius, what he does here. Yeah, so just just before we get to those last few pages, um, Marcus and Maria are talking a bit more in the house about stuff. Marcus, who's throughout this whole series been very down on the world, down on life, down on everything... He's starting to sound more positive about life. And he says, why add to the sadness out there? After everything they've been through, people deserve a happy ending. Yeah. Marcus and Maria kiss as the panels start to fade out from them, then fade in on the original King's Dominion crew back in the early days when they met. So for the last few pages... It's the original crew. Like, I mean, it feels so great to see them all together again. This is for sure when we were starting the, you know, this whole series. We were, these were the characters that we were involved with for several volumes. Um, at that time, it, it felt like these people were going to make it all the way to the end. These people were always going to be there. And they all die except two of them. Marcus yeah. and Maria, out of this group of 
I don't know, seven or eight people that we loved, only Marcus and Maria are left alive at the end. So to flash us back here and show us like, remember these characters you loved, remember this amazing banter that they had with each other. Like, remember how it just felt, it felt right to to go out like this, but they're basically just like walking down the street. They're, they're talking they're talking about how they love punk music, how like fucked up the world is and how they won't fall victim to it. You know, the classic, like, I'm not going to succumb to what the man wants. I'm, you know, right. I'm, yeah, I'm hip. You know, I'm I'm going to be the different. Punk rock. Yeah, I'm punk rock. I'm gonna, things are going to be different for me. Yeah. Um, they talk about how they won't let the world change them, even if they live long enough to get old. Marcus says he likes keeping the ugly truths of the world in his mind because it helps him enjoy today. It reminds him all they have is right now, and it reminds him to take the time to tell them stuff he'd otherwise avoid, like he loves them. And everybody starts laughing at that, and he says, what? I meant it. And Willie says, he knows that's what makes it so funny. And they all walk into a Denny's and the end. So Dean, what do you think about those final few pages? Okay. So this is why I think that it's kind of genius. Um, so we had the ending where it was a happy ending. Marcus says all stories and sad. Let's just cut it off here. And we talked about before when he was setting it up and he was setting it up as a bad ending. And it like we, we knew that it was going to be this, okay, he said he's going to kill the character and no Disney, nice Disney ending, no sweet ending. So how is he going to write himself out of this? He already basically said that if he ends it like that, it's a cop out to his story. So how is this not? How is ending it nicely not? And it's because of these couple pages at the end where he brings us back to the Marcus we know from the beginning. Nothing has changed. He is talking like the exact same Marcus that he did in the first volume. And he's got this outlook. It's Christmas Day. And he's talking about how they don't know when they're going to die. Everyone, you could die tomorrow. You could die in a year. Nobody knows. You know, like, and everyone's like, shut up. It's Christmas Day. We don't want to think about dying. Why do you always have to be like this? And then he tells us, well, it's because just knowing about that, knowing that we don't know and it's unpredictable and your story could end tomorrow. That makes me appreciate the moment we're in and make me say things to you like, I love you. I wouldn't say that if I thought I was going to live for another 10 years, but I don't know. So I'm going to say it now because I mean it now. And that ties so perfectly to his ending where let's just, you know, let's just stop the story here because we're at a happy, a happy spot. This thing is going to end sad. It, everything ends sad. The world is sad. It doesn't mean that you having these thoughts about the world being sad doesn't mean you have these, ha- you don't have these happy moments. So I love that they ended on the happy moments. They bring us back to the character that we know. And he basically says the same thing, but with his exact like outlook on life of it, like, oh, well, you could die tomorrow. It's Christmas Day. You might be dead on Boxing Day. It's just so perfect and makes us think like, there's no way that's a cop out. That is the character. That is the character we've known all along. He's the same as he was in the beginning. I just thought this, it was beautiful. I, I love this ending. I thought it was just like this two page or two or three pages at the end with going back to him in as a teenager was just icing on the cake. Just like no questions uh, about like how you ended it, that you ended it this way. Cause yeah, that's the character. That's the character we've been with the whole time. Yeah. I really liked it too. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was like, you said, I was expecting the book just to end 
kind of with uh, Marcus and Maria in 2023. We get to this part. I read it and I like, I didn't even know what to make of it. I just needed this to sit with me. I needed to like take a few days just to like, what, what is it? What does it mean for me that they go back to these kids and like, what, what are they saying? Like, it's, it just felt like more of the stuff we've seen out of them in the earlier volumes. Like they're always talking about music, you know, and then Marcus always gets into like his nihilistic view of the world and then people have to pull him out of it. And, you know, there's the characters who try to talk positive to him. In this case, Maria was the one. She's just like, no, like your outlook is so negative. Like that's not, that's not truth. You know, you're, you're, this is just shit you're making up. And that parallels so well with the two of them at the end. Um, even almost all the way up until the end, Maria and him are still bickering about that shit. He's still being a fucking nihilistic bastard. And she tells him like, you need to change for the kids. She's like, you can't, she says something like that. Their inheritance can't be like your negative outlook on the world. And by the end of like their story, he changes and he, his outlook on the world does change. So I don't know. It's just nice seeing all of them together. Marcus grew a lot. I think that good guy was always in there because he's always like, he, he has his bad outlook, but then there's always something good that he says, right? He needed to learn how to shave the negativity off and it took him half his life to do it. And that's beautiful. You know, they're, they're all worried about getting old, right? Cause they, they're worried about being sellouts when they get older. All that happens for Marcus is he doesn't become a sellout. He just learns like he learns how to let go of the bad and the negative. Is that being a sellout? Maybe that like when you're younger, maybe you think that's what being a sellout is, but by the end, they're just able to kind of like release the, the bad and just try to absorb the good and put the best that they can out into the world. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a very nice ending. Yeah. Great stuff. Okay. Well, I feel like I don't want to stop talking because I want to keep going with the deadly class, but we're done. It's over. We're done. It's over. I, this ending, uh, just like, yeah, definitely raises Rick Remender in my mind as a writer. He was already way up there, but, uh, he, you know, I, I I have to think. I have to think if he is my favorite because uh, this ending is just... It, it's something that I don't think other people that I call my favorite would pull off like this, you know? And, and this is so this is so perfect. Um, and even him bringing it back to the 80s after we've been thinking about Marcus, this character is now being him. This whole volume, we've been like, oh, wait, is he really talking through Marcus now? He brings us all the way back to the 80s and been like, I've been talking through Marcus the whole time. You know, it's just this thing of like, oh, wow, yeah, these were your words, you know, the entire time. Maybe you do feel like this. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's excellent. Um, definitely one of my favorite, one of my favorite comic creators for sure. All right. Everybody listening, if you'd like to help support us here at Talking Back, we'd love that. You can send an episode to your friend or your family. Send them like send them your favorite episode. See what they think. Or you can uh, leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can check out buymeacoffee.com or you can leave a one-time donation. And we suggest you head on over to patreon.com and uh, sign up to be a patron where you'll gain 
exclusive episodes that nobody else can get. And now that this episode's over, don't worry. Head on over to BFOPnetwork.com. Check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like, or Dean will get a lobotomy and forget that he even read Deadly Class. That is so sad. That's so sad. I don't want to do it. Dean! Thank you for joining. Tim! (laughs) Thank you for joining for 12 volumes of Deadly Class. Yeah, man, thanks. We'll have to find something else now to go go for, another big comic uh, series. For sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>